0: welcome. Will you stand? (laughs) Let's praise our Jesus. It is all because of him that we are alive. Let's sing together.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing this morning? Great. Awesome. It's so great to see you. I love songs like that, reminding me who's in charge. Amen. It's all because of Jesus that we have life, and we even have the hope of having a future in eternity with Him. I'm so thankful. And this world right now is like a power keg about to go off you know uh, if you just turn on the news man it just seems like everything's so sensitive and personally life can be kind of chaotic too all right there are hardships that we face and there are difficulties that we experience but you know what you and I can go to the lord right now in prayer anytime and we can we know that we have a hope in him we have somebody who sits on the throne of heaven that we have full assurance of and if our relationship with him is all right then everything else will be all right with us. Amen? Amen. We have peace that surpasses all understanding, knowing who is on the throne, not just knowledge of who sits there, but having a relationship with who sits there. I truly believe that today. So I'm so glad that you guys are able to all come here to the Lord's house with us together here at Kavanaugh Church to be able to worship the one who sits on that throne, our King Jesus. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here this morning. It's great to have you. Uh, We would love to get to know you and your family and how you guys could kind of get involved with our church. So there's a Connect card in the chair back in front of you if you if you could. Fill that out, and then right after service, take it out these back doors, and we'll have a gift for you there at the little Connect counter and tell you where you guys can plug in. All right? So good to see each and every single one of you guys. I invite you all to stand right now. We're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Let's pray with one another. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together today. uh, Back to this place, God. Um, I pray that your spirit just moves and flows uh, back with our kids and in here, uh, like you did with first service, along with our second service people. Thank you for meeting us here today. We are so thankful for the time that you've had with our pastor this week in his study. I pray that as he comes up and he preaches the word, that our hearts are ready and are receptive to it, God, because we desire to be the people that you want us to be. So, help us, encourage us, motivate us, strengthen us, and let us go out and be a light to uh, this world that you've created in your name. Amen. Greet those around you and we'll get connected in a few moments.
0: is, I belong to God, and the very first line says, I am no longer bound by fear, and I am no longer found in shame. And I think that is two of the most powerful tools that Satan uses against us. He either puts us in fear and cripples us to where we feel like we can't say anything in his name. We can't proclaim his goodness in our life because we are just afraid. And if that's not you, maybe he gets you in the shame category. And he just drags up all the old dirt from your life and throws it in your face and says, who do you think you are to tell anybody about God? Nobody's going to believe you. Um, You are not worthy. Can anybody relate? Yes. 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 But we know because the scripture tells us, Jesus said, don't be afraid. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And as far as shame goes, we know that as believers in Jesus Christ, the old things are passed away and everything is new. Amen? We can sing with confidence this morning, I belong to God.
2: can bless this congregation and this country exceedingly above and beyond in anything that we could ever ask or think because we know that you are working all things for our good all things are for our good and God we just have to believe we have to believe in you and your son and your salvation and that the gift is free and that you desire for your children to have this God and I pray God that this morning that if there's anyone here that is shackled by fear or shame, God, that you would remove that. I pray, God, that if anybody that needs healing, God, that they could come and they could receive that from you today. I'm so thankful once again for all that you've done for me and my family. And I'm so thankful, God, for your hand of protection and that you would continue to keep that hand of protection over all of us and over all of this country. And I pray, God, for Brother Will as he brings the message this morning that it would speak to our hearts and to our minds and that we could walk away feeling new and refreshed and in you. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen. How's everybody in Churchland? Are we all good? Fantastic. Glad that you're here today. It is good to be with you, and it's good to be with the Lord. Amen. I'm doing a series of sermons from the book of Acts. It's entitled On Mission. They correlate with our C Group study. Uh, We're talking about how we can be a soul winner and a witness for Jesus. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter four and the subject matter is speaking with boldness. Now, for us to understand the passage we're about to dive into, I need to set the context. And to do that, we're gonna go back a chapter and tell you what happened in Acts chapter three. Peter and John went to the temple at three o'clock one afternoon. It was a time of prayer. And as they entered the gate, which is called Beautiful, there was a lame man laying there. This man, the Bible says, was lame from birth, so he has never been able to walk. Of course, he couldn't walk, therefore he couldn't work, and the only way he survived and lived was by begging what they called alms, or begging for money. So every morning, his friends would pick him up on a mat and carry him to the gate, which is called beautiful, going into the temple court, and there he would beg people for money. Three o'clock in the afternoon, here comes Peter and John to pray, and as they walk through the gate called Beautiful, here is this lame beggar asking them for alms or for money. And the Bible says that Peter looked at him directly, eyeball to eyeball. Now, the guy thought Peter was going to give him money, but apparently Peter was a Baptist preacher (laughs) because he said, silver and gold have I none, all right? All right. That's an old joke. I don't know if you don't get it or think it's pretty corny, which it is, all right? But that's what he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. Amen. And that's pretty powerful. Then the Bible says Peter took him by the right hand and stood him up and immediately when he stood up, the Bible says strength came to his ankles and his feet and he started walking. For the first time in his life, he took a step and he followed them into the temple, walking, leaping and praising God. And it was quite exciting because all the people there in the temple court knew that man, they had known him for years. They knew him when he was a boy, born lame. They knew that every day he laid there at the gate called Beautiful, begging for money, and now he's walking, leaping, and praising God. So all the attention was on Peter, John, and this now lame walking man, And of course, Peter was a Baptist preacher, so he took advantage of the situation and he began preaching to all the people there about Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose from the grave. And there is salvation through repentance. 5,000 men were saved that day. Now that's great. Lame man walked, 5,000 get saved but there are always scoffers there are always doubters and there are those people who do not like the work of God they were called the Jews the Sanhedrin they they got the Roman officials together and they had Peter and John arrested and thrown into prison the next day they discuss what are we going to do with these guys you know but it is apparent that these men are uneducated and unlearned, but they have a boldness about them that must have come from Jesus. So they decided the best thing they could do is just reprimand them and tell them they could no longer do miracles or preach in the name of Jesus. Upon hearing that, Peter responded by saying, you know what, we've got two options. We can either obey man or we can obey God. We choose to obey God, and we cannot but speak in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. So they reprimanded them again, and they released them. And that's when we picked up on our passage in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. When they, which is Peter and John, were released, they went to their friends, that is, those of the church, and reported what the chief priests and the elders Had said to them. And when they, that is the church, heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, This was their prayer Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth. And the peoples themselves set themselves against the Lord. The rulers were together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Here's the main point of this passage and my sermon in one sentence. It's this, be bold and don't fold when hard times come. And let me tell you, hard times will come. If you're speaking for Jesus and you're standing for the truth, hard times are coming. My admonition is be bold and don't fold. If we don't want to fold and be bold, we need to do three things. We need to be proactive, we need to be prayerful, and we need to be prepared. First of all, we need to be proactive. How do we become proactive in our bold speech for Jesus Christ? Well, number one, we need to find support from other people, from those in the church. The first thing that Peter and John do when they are released from prison is to join with their people. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. What they did, they went back to their church, their people, their friends. The New American Standard Bible uses the word companions instead of friends. Another translation said they went to their own people. They knew they needed to be with those they belonged with, people of similar belief, like passion, and trust in Jesus Christ. They needed to be with Christian friends. They needed to be with those people who had been praying for them. And it begs a question that I have to ask you this morning. Do you have a group of people that you can go to when times get tough in your life? amen, (laughs) and each other. We need a family of faith. We need people who belong to the Lord. Who are your people? Warren Wiersbe says, one test of a Christian's character is where he finds fellowship and companionship. Based on that, let me just tell you, some of us need to start hanging around with new people because the friends we have tear us down instead of building us up. And when tough times come, we need our support group there who are gonna pray for us and build us up and keep us in the faith and trust in Jesus. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "'Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, "'but the companion of fools will suffer harm.'" You know what I'm thankful for today? I am thankful that here at Kavanaugh Church, we have so many different groups of people that we can be a part of. Our people are here, whether it be in C group or whether it be in some other support group. Did you know that we have groups that meet here weekly and sometimes monthly that you can be a part of where you can gain strength and support during difficult times? And you need that. You need to be a part of a group that believes the same things you believe, that has the same values that you have, that understand the same trials that you go through, and people who you will allow to speak truth into your life even when you don't want to hear the truth. You need people who can do that, and you listen to them. You need the people of God. You need this church, and you need to be a part of it. You know what, let me just step back and take a broader look at this. Yes, we need, we need people we can count on. We need to be proactive and be a part of a fellowship and a group of believers, but sometimes we need to step out of that group. We need to step out of our holy huddle so that we can be a bold witness for Jesus. God expects us to go into the world. Where were Peter and John? They were out in the world telling lost people about Jesus. Because of that, they were persecuted. But what did they do? They just went back to their group. (laughs) And they received the strength and the encouragement that they needed so that they could go right back out into the world and tell people about Jesus. And, And that leads us right into the second way that we are to be proactive. We are to focus on the sovereignty of God. We read this in verse 24. When these faithful friends heard the report from Peter and John, they prayed Verse 24 says, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Because they had gathered as God's people, the first thing they did after hearing this news is they prayed to God. And they praised God. I think a primary benefit of persecution is greater solidarity our faith grows when we're persecuted I see a pattern in Acts chapter 3 and 4 that is duplicated throughout the rest of the book of Acts and it's this preaching whether it be preaching like I'm doing right now or you going out into the world sharing Jesus and preaching Jesus preaching leads to persecution. But that persecution leads us to praise and to prayer. It brings us right back to God. When we are persecuted for telling people the truth and the love of Jesus, it brings us back to trust God and to pray to God. Notice what they didn't do. They didn't complain to the authorities that they were being picked on. They didn't organize a protest or attack the religious elites or boycott the temple. I like what John Piper says related to this. If you do not know life is war, you will not know what prayer is for. They were earnest and united as they offered urgent and unselfish adoration to the Almighty. They knew who was in charge. They knew who sat on the throne. It was God. They knew God was in control of this situation. And so instead of having pity on themselves and only concentrating on their problems, they looked to the one who could solve the problems. And could I say in correlation with this, our world is in a mess. Things that are happening in the Middle East right now are are crazy when you have terrorists chopping the heads off of babies, raping young women, burning older women, taking captives, those people that they're going to kill and crucify, going in and shooting young people in the back. That is a crazy world that we're living in. And if it's crazy over there, it's about to get crazy over here. You know what? God is still in control. And instead of looking to other synthetic resources to solve the world's problems, we need to be looking to the sovereign one, God Almighty. So we are proactive by finding support within our church and also by focusing on the sovereignty of God. Number three, we've got to fortify ourselves with Scripture. We move from the God of creation to the God of revelation. One of the best ways to change your thoughts is to fill your mind with the Word of God. Look at verse 25. They were praying this prayer, who through the mouth of our Holy Father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit. So really what they're doing is this, because of the situation they were just in, they began praying to God and the prayer that they prayed was the Word of God. They prayed the Scripture. What were they praying? Psalm chapter two, verses one and two. They quoted this scripture in their prayer. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. The word for rage was used of a wild horse snorting and then later came to refer to someone who is acting haughty against the Lord. And even though the people plot, their plans are empty. And even though they, they have aimless ambitions, they are in vain. Psalms 2, 4 tells us what God does when he sees how proud people are. It says in verse 4 of Psalms 2, He who sits in the heavens laughs, The Lord holds them in derision. I think we see something similar in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says, take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. David predicts a time when kings and rulers will come against what he says, the Lord and against his anointed. The word anointed is Christos, which refers to the Messiah. Because these believers in Acts chapter 4 knew their Bibles, they were able to see what was predicted some 900 years earlier, that it had been fulfilled right there in Jerusalem. That's why it says in verse 27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. But because these believers were saturated with scripture, they understood that God was weaving his will and his ways according to his sweet supremacy. The best kind of prayers that we can pray today in our messed up world are prayers that are filled with scripture. Even though what the people did was evil, it was exactly what God had foreordained to happen according to verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God's hand represents his work. His plan represents his will. Now, what am I meaning by all this? Well, what I'm saying is this, if we want to be bold and not fold when hard times come, we need to be proactive. And the way we become proactive is that we find a group of people who we love and can count on, people who are our people, people who love us and support us and pray for us. When our world begins to crumble and, and, and to fall apart, and if yours hasn't yet, let me tell you, it will. And you need a place where you can come, and excuse this term, where everybody knows your name. And they love you and they support you and they don't tear you down, but they build you up. What we need to focus on God's sovereignty. Yes, this world is crazy, it's messed up, it's wicked, and because of what's happening in Israel right now, we see the true color of people in America, and this is a messed up country we're in, so many times I just focus on what's happening and I think, man, this is crazy, I don't, I, I don't know what this world is gonna be like for my grandbabies. When, when they get my age, or, or it, what's, and then I, I, I get, uh, well, you dummy, God's in control. Instead of focusing on the problems, I'm gonna focus on the problem solver, God himself. God is sovereign. I'm becoming proactive when I trust in God. I'm not gonna trust in politicians. I'm not gonna trust in this world system. I'm gonna trust in the word of God and God. And I'm building my life, I'm fortifying my faith from the word of God. Hmm. We're also called to be prayerful not only proactive, but we need to be prayerful, and we need to make three requests to God. The first request is we need to ask God to see our situation. Verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. They're simply asking God to pay attention to what is being done to them, and then they're gonna leave the matter with God. Lord, you've you've heard their threats. You see what they're doing. We're gonna commit this problem and these people into your hand. These persecuted Christians are, are, are simply affirming the truth that God sees everything and God knows everything. God invites us to call him by his name. And one of his names in Hebrew is El Roy. El Roy means the God who sees. Exodus 2.25 says, God saw the people of Israel and God knew. He saw and he knew. Another translation puts it like this. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. You need to be prayerful. You need to say this morning, some of you need to come to the altar and say, Lord, you see my situation. And leave it with him. He is El Roy. He is the God who sees. He sees your life. He sees your problems. He sees your family. He he sees the difficulties you're going through. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He sees. And you need to be prayerful and say, Lord, I'm just laying my life out before you. I know you see. I'm going to leave it with you. Number two, we need to ask God to help us speak boldly. Now, it is incredible that in the midst of so much opposition, these believers ask for boldness, not for their problems to go away. They ask for power to speak with boldness, not for protection against those who hated them. Look at the second half of verse 29. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Notice they see themselves as servants before a sovereign God. The the actual word that is used there is a bond slave. Now, slaves were expected to render absolute submission and unconditional obedience to their masters. These servants are literally asking something like this. God, you are our sovereign. You are our king. So as your servants, I pray that you would grant us with all boldness to keep on speaking and telling people about you. Now, guys, let me tell you, this is absolutely amazing to me. I'm afraid most of us would have been just just crying in self-pity. Lord, they're so mean to us. We're trying to do good and and they're persecuting us. We're trying to stand up for what is right. They're They're being bad to us, Lord. And we become afraid. And we shrivel up and shrink and we close our mouths and we try to duck our head and we see them coming down the street and we go down the alley. It's not what these guys did. They prayed for boldness. Lord, as your servant, I pray that you would open my mouth and give me boldness to speak your word. To be prayerful. To ask God to see our situation. To give us boldness to speak. And then number three, you need to be prayerful and ask God if he would do the miraculous. Check out their expectancy in verse 30 while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. These miracles authenticated the message of the gospel and they gave credibility to these New Testament believers. It it showed people that God's power and presence was real and relevant. So let me ask you, does God still heal people today? Absolutely. Does God still do signs and miracles today? All the time. So here's a question. What has God been using to get your attention? Is there a sign or a situation that is propelling you to take your next step? We need to pray and ask God to do the miraculous in our church today, in our midst today, in our families today. I'm I'm gonna ask you, Kavanaugh Church, would you join me, your pastor, in asking God to send a spiritual awakening to this congregation? I've been praying specifically Psalm 85, verse six for our church during this fall time of the year. Here's what it says. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Would you pray that with me? God, revive us. Let me tell you, this is a good church. If it wasn't a good church, you wouldn't be here today. God is doing awesome things in this church. But let me tell you, here we are right here. God wants us to be up here. God wants to revive us. He wants to set a fire, a blaze in our belly and in our soul that we would be on fire for him, telling others about him, seeing the kingdom of God grow. And the only way that's going to come is when we get our hearts right with him and when we plead and we pray, God, send revival. Be bold and don't fold when hard times come. After being proactive and prayerful, number three, we need to be prepared for what God is gonna do. Because when you become proactive and you become prayerful and you ask God to do things, God does things. Be prepared. Why? Because number one, God is gonna shake things up. (laughs) I'm not sure these followers were fully prepared for what happened next in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. The word used for shaken there means unexpected rocking, waving, and tottering. (laughs) Something similar happened in response to Paul and Silas's prayer at midnight when they were in prison. Acts chapter 16 verse 26. When they prayed and praised God, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Listen church, shaking in the scriptures demonstrates the power of God's presence with his people. Before he gave the Ten Commandments, we read in Exodus 19, 18. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. When God wanted to use Isaiah the prophet, he first shook the prophet up, Isaiah 6, 4. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I know on a personal level, sometimes God has to shake me up in order to get my attention. How about you? I wonder, is is He shaking you right now? If you're not saved, He's shaking you to come to faith in Him. If you're saved but you're drifting away, right now I think God is rocking your world so that you will fully surrender to Him. Be prepared because when we pray, God is gonna shake things up. Number two, God is gonna fill us with his Holy Spirit. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. We see that throughout the New Testament. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 31 tells us God is the one who does the filling. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice it wasn't just a few of them, all of them were filled with the Spirit. And I've counted. It's the third time we read that of Peter. He was filled, refilled, and filled again. The word filled means to make full, to be complete. And let me tell you, see see my passion this morning. I long for God to do the same thing in the lives of the people of this church. Could you imagine what God could do in us and through us if each and every one of us was fully filled with the Holy Spirit of God and totally surrendered to his will. Our church would be different. And I mean, our community would be different. Because you cannot be filled with the Spirit of God and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> You're gonna tell other people. And, and that brings us to be prepared number three. God is gonna give you boldness. When he fills you with his spirit, the result is you're bold in your witnessing. It's fascinating how the filling of the Holy Spirit is always linked to bold gospel witnessing. Look at the last phrase of verse 31. And they continued to speak the word of God with what? Boldness. The word boldness means the ability to speak freely and frankly, and it is in the imperfect tense, meaning it happened over and over again and again. Here's a short survey of how God answered this prayer of boldness throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter nine, verse 27, tells us Barnabas vouched for Paul's conversion, pointing out how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Chapter 13, verse 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke boldly. 14, 3, they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord. 19, verse 8, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Chapter 26, verse 26, for the king knows about these things and to him I speak boldly. Chapter 28, verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Are you a bold believer? Or are you an undercover Christian? (laughs) In his book, The Embarrassed Believer, Hugh Hewitt contends most Christians do not talk about their faith, nor do they talk about their church. They don't have Bibles on the corner of their desk, and they never engage others in spiritual conversations. Here's what Hewitt says in his book. Too many of us are embarrassed, silent, secret agents for God. Christians in America trying to save the lost comfort the suffering, to bring joy to the despairing, will not make a significant and lasting impact unless they do so openly and without apology as bold believers. Tony Evans, the great preacher in Dallas, said it this way, we have too many secret agent Christians. Everybody else is coming out of the closet. We might as well come out too. And I tell you, more than ever, we need Christians who are bold. Do you have classmates who know you're a Christian? Do your coworkers know that you worship Jesus? Do your neighbors know that you are born again believers and members of Kavanaugh Church? Brothers and sisters, listen to me. You are my people. And so I say to you, be bold and don't fold. When tough times come. I kind of hesitate telling you this because I'm I'm not bragging on me. I I realize I'm not nearly as bold as I need to be. And just about every day the Holy Spirit convicts me of that. Will, you need to open your mouth more, you need to speak more, you need to tell people more. I've told you about my cowboy shooting one of the reasons I, I do cowboy shooting is that's my connection with people in the real world who are without Christ and without hope. Now we from what I've said you you may think all these cowboy shooters are sinners. They're not. There's there's some good people who are Christians and believers, but I'd say the biggest majority of them are without Christ, okay? I've been to two matches over the last couple of weeks, uh, big matches. The the last couple of days, I was at the the national championship, of cowboy action shooting in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. 800 people from literally all over the world were shooting there. Okay, I was a posse marshal, which meant I was in charge of 20 guys and gals leading them through the 12 different stages, reading the scenarios and talking to them. On the last day, after, after really trying to connect with everybody on the posse, I gave them all an ABC pen, how to go to heaven pen, and I took them through the plan of salvation. But they've never had an opening prayer at this event. The Land Run's been going on for 36 years. They've, they've, the people who are in charge are not Christians. They're not believers. They've never seen the need to have a prayer. For some reason or another, this year, they asked me to give the opening prayer. And so in front of, there were like 400 people at that opening event, I was able to pray and I did a little preaching when I was praying. (laughs) And, And I was surprised when I said amen, there was a roar of amens that came up from those cowboys and I've never ever had this happen when I've prayed, but after those amens, there were dozens of people who just shouted I don't know, it doesn't mean anything to you, but it meant the world to me. There, there, there were people out there who appreciated God's anointing, and God's presence, and God's blessings. And throughout the event, I continued to have people I never had met before come up and, and talk to me about, about the Lord and about Jesus. And, and I was just praying every day, Lord, help me to be a bold witness for you. So yesterday as I was walking down that gravel road going from one stage to another, here come this tall cowboy, he's a big man, a lot bigger than me, taller than me, broader than me, bigger than me, I don't he's older than me, but he looked like when he was in his prime, he was a guy you didn't want to mess with, could have been a college linebacker or defensive end, he's just a massive man, and, and he just has the appearance and the charisma that. You respect him. You listen to him. And we met as we passed, and he stopped, and he said, he said, holy smoke, I just, I just, I want to thank you for being bold in your witness for Jesus. And this powerful man's voice started cracking. And I don't think I imagined it. I think I saw a tear kind of dropped down from his eye and he said I pray to God that I would be bold in my faith guys I can't tell you I I didn't do good in the match I shot horrible (laughs) but that made my day right there that someone recognized the, the boldness that I try to have for Jesus and said to me I want to be bold in my faith as well Guys, we we need to be bold. The days are limited that we have to be a witness for Jesus. The signs of the time are everywhere. Jesus is coming back soon. This world is about to come to an end. And there are people, men, women, boys and girls, that we come in contact with every day who need to hear the truth that Jesus saves And if you don't tell them, they're never going to know. Let's be bold. Let's be proactive by finding our support from others, by focusing on the sovereignty of God and fortifying ourselves with the scripture. Let's be prayerful by asking God to not only see our situation, but asking him to help us to speak boldly and to do the miraculous. Let's be prepared because when we pray, God is gonna shake things up. He is gonna fill us with the Holy Spirit and he is going to make us bold. And while it's good to celebrate what God is doing, I think there are times that we need to recalibrate our own commitment to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do. That we're on his team, that we are speaking for him, that were not only saying it, but living it. And so I'm gonna end today by reading to you a declaration. I've read this declaration before, it's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. And when I finish reading it, if you agree and you wanna be part of this club, I want you to raise your hand, maybe stand to your feet and even come to the altar and make this commitment. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is sure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I am no longer in need of preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, or popularity. I now live by presence, I lean by faith, I love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, diluted, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of my enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I must go until heaven calls, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until He comes. And when He comes to get His own, He will have no problem recognizing me, for my colors are clear. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. How about you? Are you? Are you? Are you? Well, let's stand to our feet. And let's declare Jesus as our King. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the presence of your Holy Spirit that we would make this declaration of faith that we are a disciple of Jesus. Dear Lord, help us to be proactive. Help us to find our support, to focus on your sovereignty, to fortify ourselves with your Word. Help us to be prayerful at the altar this morning, to ask you to see our situation. Lord, give us boldness to speak for you. I pray that you would do the miraculous in and through our lives. And then, dear Lord, when we get up and leave this altar, I pray that we would be prepared for you to shake things up, for you to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus. For those who need to come and pray about anything in their life, or their family. Give them the freedom to come right now. For us, dear Lord, to come and lay our life at the altar of this sacrifice and to give up everything to serve you. Help us to come and do that today. Dear Lord, do something amazing in this room and in our lives. Fill us with your Spirit. Revive us again, Lord. In your name I pray. Angie, before you sing the next verse, I mean, church, can I tell you something? Throughout this entire message, there's been a spiritual battle raging in this room. I've been preaching for over 40 years, and very seldom do, do I struggle as I've struggled this morning. I know the devil did not want me to declare this truth to you today. The devil wants us to keep our mouth shut. The devil wants us to be anemic in our faith. But God wants us to be bold. So would you listen to his voice today? And if you're not living for Jesus, would you come and repent of your sins? Give your heart to Jesus. Step over that line and give him everything today. Come and ask him to make you bold to be his witness in this world. Let's sing another verse, and if you need to come and pray, come on right now, would you? Though none
4: go with me, still I.
3: Sing it together.
4: I, I have the assignment.
3: Jesus, that's our prayer today. We, we make this a, a die cast decision. We are disciples of Jesus, and there is no turning back. Until you come again, help us to be faithful, to be your voice. Lord, every one of us have people in our lives who need to hear the truth of the gospel. Burden our souls, help us to weep real tears for their salvation. And then, dear Lord, give us the courage to open our mouths and speak the truth to them. Help us to become soul winners, Lord. Help us to become light in this dark world. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for my church. I thank you for these people. Revive us, Lord. Start that fire in our souls. Give us a desire to see lost people saved. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Thank you for listening this morning and being a part of this service. If you're a member of Kavanaugh, make sure you drop your offering off in one of those black boxes. If you're a guest, please fill out a Connect card and meet us at the Connect counter so we can give you a gift. If you're involved in a C group, this is week three of being a soul winner. Please be at your C group and learn how to be a witness for Christ. If you haven't joined a group, there's there's still time, all right? See Brother Jason, myself, Brother Nathan, we'll, we'll help you get connected. Brother Devin, we'll get you in a group, okay? Wednesday night, we've got a a great service planned for the adults in this room. Uh, We're having back one of our very own, Brother Mason Polk is gonna be here to preach. I love to hear Brother Mason preach. I am so proud of what God has done in his life and through his ministry. You come and be a part of that service on Wednesday night at seven o'clock. We Worship Sign Up has begun for 2024. Uh, we we want to make sure your kids are well cared for, so make sure you sign up for We Worship this next year. Prime timers are going to meet this Thursday at 1130. I tell you what, I pray that you have a great day and that you speak boldly for your Lord and Savior Jesus. We'll see you.